Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Happy New Year. 2020 is here. It's unbelievable how time flies. But many of you know that it's a little interesting the way uh, New Year's landed in Christmas midweek. And there's nothing more than we would love than to be with each of you wherever you were at the time of midnight when it turned the new year. Some of you would be like, you know what? It's like I just slept through. How many of you just slept through it? Some of you would be like, waiting till midnight? Not there. How many of you waited for uh, midnight, the new year? So a tradition that we have in Christ Fellowship is to reenact the last 10 seconds into the new year. So we're going to actually go back in time and reenact the last 10 seconds because we're a big family in Christ Fellowship, and we want to celebrate that moment with you too. So if everyone could stand up to their feet, okay, there's going to be a counter there. And if you're watching through the live stream, you could stand up too. We're, we're watching you too. All right, we're going to have a countdown, 10-second countdown. I eat. Nine, eight, whoa, 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 nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Happy New Year! So turn around, give someone a hug. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. Uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Craig, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to the little Lord. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, brother. Good to see you, man. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Here we go. Aquí. Feliz año. Feliz año. Happy New Year. So, I do want to let you know if... Happy New Year, brother. Hey, Happy New Year. Yeah, baby. If there's, if there's someone sitting by you that didn't get up, go up to them and give them a quick hug. No one will escape without a hug. We'll just do a, a couple more seconds. All right, a few more seconds and you can start making your way to your seat. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. All right, we can lower the music. If we keep it up, I know you'll be hugging people during the entire time period. So, so if everyone, <laughs> without question, without question, if everyone could find their seats, I know uh, some of you are like, now's my chance to catch up. But we do have a message to go into. And I will ask if all the parents could grab the noisemakers. 
uh, from your children and put them in a safe place. During the teaching, I don't want to hear noisemakers. And uh, if you're an adult and you're next to an adult that, know, that you know that they're going to use the noisemaker, possibly take it away from them too. Some adults are sometimes just as intense as the little ones. But I do have, as you're making your way to your seats, um, I do want to remind everyone we're in the middle of our 21-day fast. I know Elliot mentioned it. Um, and I know, not in the middle. We're not in the middle yet. Uh, we're on our fifth day. And just in case you don't know, we do have a devotional. Uh, the devotional, it's available after service every day. It's going to guide you through scripture, key questions, and also a prayer. And in case you follow us through Facebook, you are able to see every morning we post it in the morning so you could see it there too. But we encourage you to stay committed to your fast throughout this time period. Just in case if you slipped and messed up a little bit, um, today's a new day. Stay committed for the remainder of it. And in case um, maybe you didn't commit at all from the beginning, maybe you were away, maybe you were on vacation, you could start today or start tomorrow if you want. But we want the entire church, to the best of our uh, ability, to be part of the fast. I know that it was already mentioned, the baptism, and what's really great when you walked in too, uh, you got a list of all the community groups that we have start, uh, that are starting soon. So definitely take advantage of these great opportunities to grow in God. So here we, as we start the teaching, I want to highlight, I know that there's a couple Hall of Fames out there. How many of you have ever been to a Hall of Fame before? Okay, a couple of you raised your hand. Many of you have probably been to Cooperstown, New York. What's there? The Baseball Hall of Fame. There's going to be a picture behind me there, just in case, just to give you an idea. They average around 300,000 visitors a year there. And of course, they have all the heroes of America's pastime there at the Baseball Hall of Fame. Another big Hall of Fame is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's going to be a picture behind. Does anyone know where the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is? Cleveland, Ohio. There, they pretty much, of course, have all the big rock bands and everything that falls into that category. And this year, just for you to know, some of the nominees are the Dave Matthews Band, the, the, the Pesh Mode, the Doobie Brothers. Um, those are some bands they're um, nominating to possibly join the Hall of Fame this year in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's others as well. Another one, I guarantee you there's going to be Hall of Fames that you never even knew existed, okay? The other one is called the Strong National Museum of Play, okay? In this museum, does, has anyone ever heard of it? Rochester, New York, so it's not like, you know, it's our neighboring state. Rochester, New York, here they highlight the major toys throughout the generations, so they, it's pretty much a fun place to go so that you could see the major toys, that ever, the most popular and well-loved toys. And every year in the month of November, they induct a new um, toy to come in. Um, so there, that's something that you could end up seeing. Now, without question, I know this is one that all of us probably went to, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame and Museum. No? 
No fresh water in the Elizabeth River? No, no. Um, fresh water um, um, fishing hall of fame. It's in Hayward, Wisconsin, okay? They have, that's actually a picture of the museum. They have a 143 feet long replica of, of their musky, um, world's largest musky um, fish um, there as a replica right outside before you go. And they have hundreds of thousands of people that go to that Hall of Fame every year. Any of you guys interested? Raise your hand. I, I didn't think there was too many people that would be interested. All right, another one, too, that I guarantee probably you didn't know that this existed. There's, an, there's a Hall of Fame. It's the RV and Motorhome Hall of Fame. Yes. Let's hear it for the RVs and motorhomes, okay? This one is in Elkhart, Indiana. There's a picture there on um, the back. And they highlight RVs and motorhomes back from the 1920s up to today. And pretty much they just make a big deal of the RVs and motorhomes. So as you can tell, these are just five of, believe it or not, the most popular hall of fames that you could ever visit in the United States. But there's many others that you could go to too. Some of us might not realize, but the Bible has a hall of fame as well. It has a place that you could read where there's specific individuals highlighted back to back for specific reasons. And we're going to dive into that now. You could turn to Hebrews chapter 11. And in case you don't have your Bible, it's going to be behind you on the screen as well. But we're going to start in verse 4 and just want to let you know because of time, we're not going to read the entire chapter 11, but you could read it on your own tonight when you get home. We're going to skip a couple of verses and we're just highlight specific ones. Starting at verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, verse 8, Abraham, when called to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, and listen carefully, even though he did not know where he was going. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worship as he leaned on the top of his staff. Verse 22, by faith, Joseph, when he was when, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Verse 23, you know already how it's going to start. By faith, Moses, Moses' parents, parents hid him for three months after he was born 
because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies and was not, uh, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, mind you, these are just a few that I highlighted, and there were others as well that you could read on your own time. But what I love here, the author, which just for you to know, it's somewhat unknown who the author of the book of Hebrews was, but we know it's the word of God. In verse 32, it says this, after all of them were mentioned, and when you think about it, each one starting with the words, by faith, he says this, I love this, and what more shall I say? It's like, what else do you want me to say, guys? It's like, what, what more shall I say? I don't have the time, this is verse 32, it should be behind me, I don't have the time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Je Jehoph, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. So here... It's like, I think there's something very clear that they want to get across. What do you think they want to get across? Faith is important, don't you think? When if you consider yourself a Christian, and if you're walking this walk following Jesus, faith is in your foundation in, in, in your journey of chasing after him. You have to have faith. Here in Hebrews 11, it's amazing how by faith is mentioned 18 times. 18 times by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. I don't know about you, but Jen, when she mentions things twice or three times to me, you know, I'm like, ah, she's trying to get her point across. You know what I mean? Like, she told me about three or four times, I got to do those dishes. You know what I mean? Like, three times, four times, five times. Now, imagine if, not, I'm, I'm not just highlighting Jen, imagine your spouse told you something 18 times in one sitting. It's like, do the dishes, do the dishes, do the dishes, do the dishes, do the dishes. Like 18 times. I'm getting tired just even counting and trying to say do the dishes. You know what I mean? Like 18 times. You better vacuum that room. You better organize that garage. You know, it's like 18 times back to back letting you know of something. If we would hear it once, it would probably catch our attention. If we would hear it twice or three times or four times, but 18 times, 18 times by faith is seen here. And in addition to that, like to mix it up, you'll find through faith and through their faith, 
is mixed there as well. So when you put it all together, it's over like 20 times, you will see something pointed to faith. So right now, this moment, I want to ask you, how is your faith towards God? How is your faith in God today? Not when you gave your heart to Jesus a long time ago. Or maybe you don't have a relationship with God and your faith journey will start today. But how is your faith in God today? Because here's something we need to realize is, is it, of course, I highlight it as the hall of fame as well, but it's really the hall of faith. And these aren't about these mighty men that did mighty things. These were weak men and women that pretty much trusted God and have faith and saw amazing miracles and wonders happen in their lives. But faith was instrumental in that. Now, something in the midst of that, a verse that I wanted to highlight afterwards in the end, that I want us each to pay attention and listen. If you're watching through the live stream, you don't want to miss this either. In Hebrews 11, verse 6, says this, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Who earnestly seek him. So right there, that key verse, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. So are you living a life of faith? Now, so many times we see faith as a decision we made a long time ago. Faith is an action. It's a constant state of making decisions to trust God every day. Every time you face a circumstance, every time a problem comes, every time stress wants to creep up, every time a challenge is before you, no matter what you're going through in your life, every situation is the moment where you decide if you're a person of faith or you're a person that's going to trust your own flesh, trust your own wisdom, trust in your own connections, trust what you could do rather than trust in God. So when I ask you, are you a person of faith, I'm not asking you about whether or not you gave your heart to Jesus at one point. No, I'm talking about do you constantly trust Jesus no matter what you go through, no matter what you faith, uh, whatever you face, face that you're going to have faith in him? No matter what. Your confidence is in who he is. And no, no matter what, you will trust him. You know, here we're in 2020, and during every year in the beginning, what we do as um, senior pastors, and of course, Pastor Gary before as well, we seek God for a word, not only like, you know, for the church, like, like as a whole, but I really felt as though it's, this is a word for all of us as individuals, anyone that really is part of this church and anyone that's really a Christian, you could say. Because so many times we might miss this. But clearly, two months ago, God spoke to me, and God told me that the word for the church is miracles. Believe in God for the impossible. Because so many times what happens is that we tend to just lean on what we could see. We lean on what's around us. 
And as much as we have a relationship with God, we have in some way or um, somehow, we've diluted what it means to live by faith in God. Because God is the God of miracles. God is able to do miracles in our lives. He's able to do them. And the reality is, in your life right now, there's been so many miracles that he has done that you haven't even realized or seen them or even recognized them as a miracle of God. I know in my life, I've seen miracles even when I didn't even know God. Now in hindsight, like when I look back in my life, I'm like, man, God protected me. He guided me. My life could have been in a whole different path, but when I look back, I see God's hands. I see his miracles. I see him coming through where there seemed to be no way. I've seen situations that I felt like there was no other option, and then God just stepped into the midst, and he created an option where there wasn't any. I've seen God come through time and time again throughout my life. And I know it's not just me, it's all of us. If we really look back, we have an amazing God. We have an amazing God. But so many times, I believe, our own position of faith when it comes to God could limit sometimes what God is able to do even in our own life. Because we need to also know that he is the God of miracles. And we need to believe that he could do the impossible that he could do the impossible. So what is a miracle? In the back, you're going to see a definition. A miracle refers to a broad range of wondrous events that can't be explained by human understanding, but require the direct involvement of God. So here, a miracle is wondrous events that don't make sense. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. It's like you just talk to someone, and it just doesn't make sense how it worked out. And you know that God was involved. Now, for everyone here, if you just know that you experienced that in one way or another in your life at one point, if you could raise your hand. Raise your hand. Then one way or another, you know that that you experienced some type of miracle in your life, and you know that God was involved. And you might be wondering, why are we talking about faith when the word of the year is miracles, believing God for the impossible? It goes hand in hand. Because faith paves the way for the miracles in our lives. Okay? So we're going to turn right now to Matthew chapter 13, verse 54. It says here, it says this, coming to his hometown, referring to Jesus, it says, he began the teaching in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Verse 55, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his uh, mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? In verse 57 it says, and they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, 
A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And now listen to verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So there you see there's a correlation to faith and miracles. And throughout this whole month, we're going to be talking about that. And the reality is, throughout the whole year, we're going to be pin, um, pointing back to the word miracle. But here you clearly say, see that Jesus himself said that there was a situation where there was lack of faith and miracles not happening in Nazareth. So for us, that's something, that's something we need to look at our own lives. It's like, where is our faith? Now, faith is a gift from God. And for each of us, that gift is up to us to exercise that faith towards him. But how could we then, knowing that, let's say, the word of the year is miracles, and we know that God wants us to have faith in our lives so that we would be able to experience miracles, like, what are certain keys that we need to take away? So each of you, you have a bulletin in the back. You can start writing a couple of notes here. And these are four keys I'm going to give you to live in the realm of miracles. And it's going to be behind, uh, behind me. Number one is this. We need to have faith that in God, all things are possible. Okay? In God, all things are possible. Other people tell you certain things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. We should have a slide. Where? Okay, right there. And then right underneath it, you can see, you'll see this. You can't be the judge on what God can, can't, or won't do. Okay? With God, all things are possible. It doesn't mean that he's going to do all of those things. It just means that, hey, God is God, and if he wants to do something, he's going to do it. No one's going to get in his way, okay? So with God, all things are possible. And the statement I put underneath that is, you can't or I can't be the judge on what God can do, can't do, or won't do. Now, the reason I say that is because so many times in our lives, you know, because it happens to me, it's happened to all of us, is when, whenever we're in the middle of a situation, we might not sit there and think, hey, could God do this? Will he do this? You know, we don't sit there to analyze a situation like that. But if we're honest with ourselves, whenever we're in the middle of a situation, in our minds, we automatically analyze it and we decide for ourselves if this is something that God's going to do or not do or he won't do in that situation. Whether it be a moment you might be praying for someone, you might, be, you, you might go there about to pray for them and be like, I don't, I don't think God's going to do this one. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who are you or me to decide what God's going to do? You know what I mean? Why are we limiting God because of our own judgment on whether he's going to move or not on a specific situation. You know, God is able to do anything that he wants, okay? He's God. So right there, and we know there's passages, and I'm not going to go over all the passages, but we know how the statement says, we need to have faith that in God all things are possible. 
So that's your confidence. Your faith is having that confidence in God that all things are possible with God. So when it comes to that, when you pray, you pray in faith. You pray believing God that he could do the impossible. Even if the doctor told you something, even if your friends told you something, even if your enemies told you something, even if you're telling yourself something. Because the person that talks to you the most is yourself. You sit at home, you listen to your own mind, your own whispers in your own head, telling you that you can't do this, or you won't do this, or this is, isn't going to work out, or that's not going to work out that way, or whatever it is. It's like, why are we stressing, worrying, or in being in the place of a judge of deciding what's going to work out, what's not, what prayer God is going to answer, what he's not going to answer, or this or that. No, no, no. We pray in faith, believe in God, that he is the God that could do all things. All things are possible with God. That's the first one. The second one is this. We have to have faith that God has total authority over everything. He has total authority over everything. The statement right below it, it says, there is nothing or no one that's outside of God's reign. God is king. And there's nothing or no one that's outside of his authority. And we need to believe that. Because all of a sudden, if you don't believe that God is king, that he's sitting on his throne, and that nothing is outside of his reign, you could say, if you don't believe that, all of a sudden the way you pray, the way you approach situations, the way you approach problems, the way you approach circumstances, you know, like all of a sudden you're carrying weight and stresses that God is not stressed about. God's not worried about it. But all of a sudden, because you're seeing things through your own eyes, you're being like burdened when God wants you to walk in freedom and in trust with him. The third one that you could write down is this. We have to live by faith and not by sight. The statement I have underneath is, what you see isn't reality. Okay? What you see isn't reality. Reality is really what's on the other side of the faith that you have in God. What you see isn't reality. There's more to what we see, and we know this. We know that there's a spiritual realm. And if we just go by what we see, we could easily get discouraged. We could easily get depressed. We could easily feel like we're overtaken. We could easily feel like nothing is going to work out. We could easily get overwhelmed. We could easily give up. We could easily decide that it's not even worth living and commit suicide. We could easily decide to just give up completely in life if we just go by what we see. Now with us, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We don't walk by just by what we see. We walk by the faith we have in God. So no matter what's happening right now, this moment in your life, because obviously we don't know everything that's happening. I don't know about the issues you have at home with your spouse. I don't know like the, the disagreements. Maybe your marriage is at the point of divorce. I don't know about the issues you have when it comes to addictions that might, you might have. 
I don't know the issues you have financially. You might feel like you're completely overwhelmed and in debt. I don't know all the circumstances that you have in your life. But God knows and sees your life. And he sees it all. And you need to make a decision. Are you going to walk this life like by what you see or by faith in God? No one could make that decision for you. You can't have your mother's faith. You can't have your dad's faith. You can't have anyone else's faith. This has to be a personal decision that you make for yourself. And have you made it? The fourth thing that you could write down is this. We need God's perspective in every situation. And I love the statement right below that I put. It put, everything looks different from his throne. Everything looks different from his throne. So imagine right now this moment, no matter what you're going through, just taking a moment, not taking a step back. I mean, think about it. It's like, if you've ever been on a plane, maybe some of us here, we haven't been on a plane. The world looks very different from the plane than when you're walking through Broad Street in Elizabeth. I tell you that much. It looks very different than walking through Elizabeth Ave. It looks very different from walking on Sheridan Ave, my mom's block. It looks very different when you're on that plane, you open that window, you look out, hopefully you have that window seat. I actually almost never get it. Jen always bumps me. She's like, I get that window seat para dormir un poquito. You know what I mean? Like, so, so right there, if you have that window seat, you're looking down. You know your perspective and everything changes so much. So many times we pray asking God to do something, and what God wants to do is change your perspective on the same situation you have. Sometimes God's miracle is not changing the thing that you're asking him to change. He's changing your heart in the middle of the thing so you could see it differently. So for us, it's like, like, think about it. If your perspective on a physical sense is different when you're on a plane compared to walking on the street, imagine the perspective from God's throne. And we know, according to Scripture, that we're seated in heavenly places. So technically, we're there as well. So there, it's like that perspective is completely different. So right now, this moment, if you could think of, you could fill in the blank, what is the very thing that you would love for God to move a mir- a do and do a miracle in your life in? If you fill in this blank... And you see it from God's perspective, from sitting on the throne. It looks very, very, very different. I want to make something extremely clear too. Having faith in God doesn't mean that you automatically get the thing or whatever you're praying for just because you have faith for it. I know there's a lot of people that they, they, they preach like, you name it and you claim it. That's not true. Just because you name it and you claim it, it might not be God's will. God's sovereign. You can name and claim all you want. God is like, that's not for you. You know, Name it and claiming it, that's really not at all biblical. 
You know, and when you think about it, it's like so many people just feel it's like if they muster enough faith in something, you know, then all of a sudden they will get that thing. Now, I want to make something clear. God's not a genie. If you want a genie, go see Aladdin, okay? If you want a genie, you go see Aladdin, you enjoy Aladdin. Because think about it. He's not a genie. Just because we have enough faith, name and claim it, give me what I want. God's not a genie. And I can, I can tell you this many times. I prayed for things in my life, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. How many of you prayed for something that didn't happen before? Okay? We're keeping it real. You know, there are some people that, there are some people that might look at you and say, you know what, you just didn't have enough faith. Like, automatically, it's like that. Obviously, we know faith goes hand in hand with it. But what I'm talking about is that God's not a genie. And our anchor in God, well, our confidence and trust is, is in his character. It's not in his gifts or the miracles that we would receive. It's in his character. We know that God's a good God. We know that he loves us. We know he's king. We know he's sovereign. He knows, we know that he wants the very best from us, for us, from his vantage point. We know that he sees everything in our life. The before, the middle, and the after as well. So there's certain things that you might want in your life at this moment, and God's, God is like, you know what? Not now. That might be his answer. He's like, not now. I know you want this now. Not now. There, there's, there's a purpose in the pain that you're going through right now. And you, you might think it's like, you know, purpose in the pain? All we have to do is look at Jesus. There was purpose in the pain he went through. It was a mission that Jesus was on. And there was a bigger picture that anybody, think about it, the disciples would tell Jesus, like, no, no, you can't die. And Jesus would rebuke his disciples, say, no, there's a greater plan than this. So we need to understand that God is sovereign. So we put our anchor not in the gifts or the miracles, but in his character. We know he's good. We know he loves us. We know he wants the best for us. And we should never question that. The moment you question that, you allow the enemy to whisper into your ears and try to lure you away from God. Our anchor is in his character, not in the gifts and the miracles. You know why? Because if your anchor is in the gifts and the miracles, when you don't get what you prayed for, then all of a sudden you don't trust him anymore. All of a sudden it's like, well, God doesn't love me anymore. All of a sudden it's like, you know, God forgot about me. You know, and when you think about it, it's like, imagine, imagine like, it, like even, even people around us, if they just come to us only when we have something to give to them, but they don't trust our heart, it's like, how do we feel? Now, imagine like with God in his circumstance, like uh, with him. Now, I'll give you an example, even with Job in the Bible. Job went through so many difficult time periods in his Bible. Uh, in the, not in his Bible, in his life. Job went through so many different things in his life. And then in the end, when God spoke, God never answered why. God never said why I did these things. When God answered, God just reminded Job of who he was. He's like, I'm going to remind you about my character, Job. 
I'm God. I'm sovereign. I take care of things. I dictate things. I see the big picture. And then in the end, we know that God restored them even more. But in the midst of it, maybe Job, of course, wanted answers. But he never got the whys for it. But God reminded him who he was. So for every single person here, our anchor is in God's character. And what's important is, think about it, if your anchor is on what God could do for you, what happens is next time when you pray for something, you won't really pray in faith. Next time when someone asks you for prayer, you won't pray for them really having the faith that God could do the impossible because in your own life, you're like, well, God didn't answer that for me. So going back to what I said, we can't be the judge of why God answers certain things or why not. But I tell you this much. Every time we approach a circumstance or an issue or a problem or a prayer request or an opportunity, we need to approach it knowing that God could do anything. Nothing could limit God. And for us, when we step into that faith, we just know that we believe God to do the miracle. And if for some reason the miracle didn't occur, we still believe God and his character of who he is, and we trust in his sovereignty. Like, God, I don't understand why not, but you see the big picture, and I trust you anyway, because I don't chase after God for his gifts or the miracles he could do for me. I chase after God because I want to know his heart. And the reality is, I don't want the miracles that I could just conjure up in my mind that I feel like I need. I want the miracles that God sees that I need in my life. And let me tell you, in my life, I've received miracles I never asked for. But God saw in his goodness that I needed it, and he gave it to me. And I know without question that in your own life, God's come through for you many, many times. So it's not a matter of name it and claim it. It's a matter of putting your anchor in God and saying, God, I believe you're the God that could do the impossible. I believe that from your vantage point, you see everything and you could do everything. I believe that you've called me to walk in faith and not to limit myself in my view of you when I pray or when I talk to people or when I face circumstances. But I just know that every single situation, I'm going to approach it the same. No matter what the outcome is, I'm not going to gauge my walk with you according to the, how many times you came through for my own request. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little selfish. We have an amazing, amazing God. As a reminder, every circumstance in your life, even the ones you're facing right now, we need to walk in it knowing that all things are possible with God. All things are possible. There's, think about that for a second. All things are possible. For some of us, we've grown up in our lives hearing our mom or our dad telling us certain things are not possible for you. But with God, all things are possible. Think about it. Some of you are sitting here thinking that you could never get that degree. You could never graduate college, let's say. 
or you, 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 you could never go back and get your GED. Who told you that? Who told you that? You've whispered it to yourself. The enemy has told you too. But with God, all things are possible. Some of us in our minds, we feel as though our marriage is over. There's no hope. Who told you that? It wasn't God. We know that God wants all of our relationships restored. But if you already made the judge, if you decided to get in the judge's seat and decide what God could restore or what he can't, what God could fix or what he can't, then you're not leaving room for God to do what he wants to do, the miracle in your life. Some of us, we look at our kids and be like, oh, they're lost. They'll never be able to come back. They'll never have a relationship with God. Who told you that? Why did you come up with that conclusion in your own head and mind? If all things are possible with God, then I have news for you. All things are possible with God. It's one thing to say it and to read it, but do you believe it? Some of us, we've been living in debt our entire life. We live paycheck to paycheck, and we feel like we're drowning. And obviously, some of it is just poor decisions on your own part, and you acknowledge it. It's like, you know what? But you've accepted that that's the place where you're always going to be. Who told you that? Who told you you have to live like that? Who told you that that's normal? God wants you to live in victory and to have peace. When you're drowning in debt, there's really no peace involved. You know, who told you that you can't be involved in ministry? Every single person here in, in this room, you have gifts and talents to be used for God. But you've convinced yourself, it's like, you know what? I'm not ready. It's not for me. God really can't use me. I think you ask anyone, including myself, it's like, we never saw God using us before. All we decided is like, you know what, God? I'm going to have faith to step into the unknown. And for some of us, we're carrying a, a, such hardship within our hearts, such burdens. We, we're carrying certain things that are tormenting our lives. We might not talk about it, but it's really tormenting us. Whether it's an addiction, whether it's certain thoughts, whether it's certain ways of living. And we feel like it always has to be the same. That even though you love God, you believe in God, deep down inside you decided to be the judge that that can't change. But you know what? God could do the impossible. With him everything is possible. We also have to be reminded that he has total authority over everything. We also have to be reminded to live by faith and not by sight. And we also have to realize that we need to have his perspective in every situation. We have the God of miracles in our lives. And I asked you in the beginning, how is your faith? How is your faith? Are you a person of faith? And you might say, yeah, I'm a person. I believe in Jesus. You know what? If you just believe in Jesus and you just put everything on that one decision you made, maybe when you were a teenager, maybe last year or whatever, 
It's like if you base your entire life just based off that one decision of faith, that's not sufficient. Because when you're in this life, your heart is constantly making decisions. And you know what's the most spiritual thing you could do? It's so many times we think of the most spiritual things you could do is to pray and to worship and to read God's word. We see those or go to church or be part of ministry. You know what? Every time you make a decision, that's the most spiritual thing you could do. Every time you make a decision, every day, every circumstance, every challenge, every problem, everything that comes your way, every time your heart decides to look with your eyes of flesh, instead of looking to God above, you've made a spiritual decision. You've made a decision on who is your Lord. Is it Jesus or your own self? But the choice is yours. Right now, in this moment, you have certain circumstances in your life. We all do. I do. That I want to trust God and have faith in God, knowing that he is the God of miracles and he could do the impossible. I will not limit God because of my past experiences in my own flesh. I'm not going to limit God by what anyone tells me. Every situation, I'm going to approach it knowing that God is the God that could do the impossible. And how I mentioned before, it's like I step in faith and my faith stays there whether or not he answers. Because I know he's faithful. I know he's good. I know he loves me. And my anchor is in his character, not in getting what he could give me. But each of us, we need to learn to live stepping out in faith. And as we're closing this service, I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to think about your life right now, this moment. I already shared with you the word for the year. It's miracles, believing God for the impossible. That is the word that God wanted me to share with each of you personally today. He's the God of miracles. So if you're here, and I told you before to fill in the blank, you know exactly what you're going through in your life. That you need to trust God. You need to have faith. You need to believe that he could do the impossible. That all things are possible with him. You're not going to limit him by what you see. You're not going to limit him by what you hear other people say. You're going to trust in his word. I want you to come forward. And as you come forward, it's your step of faith. As we worship, this, uh, worship God through this song, is a statement of faith, a proclamation that you're trusting God. That you're trusting him with this. And this trust isn't just in this one step of faith that you're going to make now. You're going to maintain it. Every time the enemy comes, tries to whisper and to guide you elsewhere, you're going to maintain it. You're going to hold the line. You're going to hold the line and say, no, no, no. I'm not going back. I'm a person of faith. I want it with the day I get to heaven. I want to be able to see my name, you could say, in the hall of faith as well. Because everyone we mentioned from Hebrews 11 were regular people just like us. We look at them as superheroes in the Bible. They were regular, ordinary people with weaknesses, struggles, circumstances, problems, issues. But they lived by faith. 
and our life is short here on this earth. And I don't want to waste my life stressing, worrying, looking at just what the world tells me. I want to live this life trusting God, living for him every single day of my life. Until I breathe my last, I want every single ounce, every cell within my body want to look to God as the God that could do the impossible. And even in moments that he doesn't come through, he's still the God that could do the impossible. Because he's sovereign. So if you know you need to step out in faith, I want you to come forward. This isn't about anyone else next to you. This is about you and your relationship with God. I ask you, how is your walk with God? How is your faith in God? Are you a person of faith? This is a spiritual decision you're making even at this very moment. Father God, Father God, as, as we're here with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, God, God, we trust you and we have faith in you, God. And even right now, God, we put before you the very thing we're coming before you and asking for a miracle. God, we know you could do the impossible and in faith we believe that you will move and do this, God. And God, we know that this year, the 2020 year, God, you want us to have faith that you could that do the impossible, God, and that you're the God of miracles. So God, we trust and believe that you will move with this very thing in our lives, the very thing we've come before you with, God. So God, we just leave it in your hands, God. And God, we ask you that you would transform us, God. Give us new vision, God. Change our hearts, God. God, help us increase our faith, God. God, give us a greater passion for your word, God. As we hear and read your word, our faith would increase, God. So God, right now, we surrender everything into your hands, God. And we just trust you that you're going to move, God. You're going to heal that marriage, God. You're going to restore those relationships, God. That child that's walked away from you will come back home, God. God, we pray, Lord God, that those situations we're in financially, that we will have victory in those situations as well. God, we pray, Lord God, and we trust you, God, that the addictions that have been holding us back in 2019 are not going to be carried over to 2020, God. You're the God of miracles. Break every chain that might be in our lives, God. God, the whispers and the thoughts of torment, the depression that we're wrestling with emotionally. God, right now, God, we trust you that you would silence the voice of the enemy in our life and that your voice would be amplified in our minds and hearts, God. God, we pray, Lord God, that as we approach every single situation, God, that we would look at it from your vantage point, that we would see it from your angle sitting on the throne, God. You are not stressed and worried about anything, God, because you're king and sovereign. God, let us learn from you, God. Teach us how to see things, everything through your eyes. No matter what the obstacle, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the challenge, no matter what anyone else might be telling us, Lord God, God, that we would listen to your voice and your voice alone and step out on faith 
faith. So God, right now, we just commit and leave all these things into your hands. And we just trust and know that you're the God of miracles. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Happy New Year. And before you leave, give someone else a hug. And as a reminder, outside at the events table, you can sign up for the discipleship.